0: Mr. Gorbachev, teared down this wall. The only thing we have to fear is fear itself. I'm not a crook. If you like your health care plan, you'll be able to keep your health care plan. Listening to Jim Paris Live, your source for the latest news on money, politics, prophecy, and preparedness. And now, your host, the editor in chief of ChristianMoney.com and the author of more than 30 books, Jim Paris.
1: All right, hello, everybody. Welcome to our second hour. It is so good to have him back with us. He's been coming on my shows for i don't 25 years i think tv rate all my different radio shows and it's been a while since we've had them on and it's good to have you back my friend dan pilla is with us tonight
0: it's good to be back jim how are you
1: i'm doing good did you have a good thanksgiving
0: I did. Very good. Yeah, we have family here at the house. It was very nice.
1: I don't know if you can hear me okay. I have a little weird thing going on here in the studio. You might be hearing me uh, on a studio mic that's not necessarily my mic that I'm speaking into going over the airways right now. Are you, are you uh, able to hear me okay? Yeah, I
0: can hear you just
1: fine. Okay, fantastic. Um, all right, so you've got the new book out, Dan Pilla's Small Business Tax Guide. Now, I have to tell you my favorite thing. About the cover of the book, I noticed that you've got some gray hair, which makes me not feel so bad (laughs) because I'm thinking the last time I've seen you in person, you didn't have any gray hair and you've got a nice gray streak going there. So I'm thinking, you know, I'm not the only one getting old. Dan Pill is also getting old, Uh, but that's a great picture you have there on the front of the book.
0: Thanks, Jim. But time marches on, doesn't
1: it? It sure does. And and you've got like an adult daughter who's old enough to co-write a book with you uh, on the back cover.
0: Yeah, absolutely. It's my daughter, Mackenzie. Uh, she helped do a lot of research on, on certain aspects of the book. And she's been working with me, Jim, now for for about five or six years. And uh, she is an enrolled agent, which means that she is uh, authorized. To practice before the IRS. She can't practice in the courts, but she does practice before the IRS, and so she has uh, become my right-hand person here and helping me out in representing clients and, and working through these, uh, these cases that we have.
1: And I want to give people your website right now, because this is something uh, people will ask for a lot this week. Uh, we've got a pretty large live audience. I don't know what we have tonight, because it's a holiday weekend, but this show goes out on like 20 different platforms in the morning, and that's where the the real traction will hit in. But Dan Pilla's website is taxhelponline.com. Is that still right? Do I have that?
0: Yeah, that's exactly right, Jim. Taxhelponline.com. There are no spaces of any kind. It's all one word.
1: And Dan Pilla, if, if you're not familiar with him, is sort of his stock and trade going back years and years and years is he's the guy that really invented the entire industry of settling a tax debt with the IRS. So tonight we're not going to talk so much about that. We're going to talk about small business tax savings, but if you're somebody that has a, an IRS type problem where you owe money to the IRS that you can't afford to pay. You want to go to his website because what I love about him, he's not just one of these guys on the radio that says we can settle your taxes for pennies on the dollar. What I love about Dan Pilla's site is if you're somebody that's inclined to want to do it yourself, he has resources there, a blog with information. He has books So you can get the information that you can use on your own to approach the IRS to try to settle your tax problem, or if you decide to, uh, you can work with Dan. But you've always been good with our listeners about offering like a free consultation for anybody that just wants to find out more about what their options are. Is that still something you're doing?
0: Yeah, yeah, that's exactly right, Jim. It's available to anybody that buys any book off our website. So if you, if you get the new book, small business, Dan Pillow, small business tax guide, or my book, how to get tax amnesty, any one of the books that we have, you only have to buy one book. You get a free 15 minute consultation directly with me right over the phone and we can uh, walk through your situation and I can give you some firm direction on what you need to do to get it under control.
1: All right. So tonight, what we're going to do, though, is we're going to shift gears and talk about small business taxes. And his new book is Dan Pilla's Small Business Tax Guide. And there's so much here. I'm looking at the back cover of the book. So people that start a business, even if it's a home based business, they could become, um, you know, they they could tap into a lot of tax write offs. I mean, legitimately, we're not talking about starting a sham business to be able to claim things, but, but I mean, legitimately, isn't that right, Dan? If you start a business, even if it's a small home based business, you can actually tap into a lot of new tax deductions that you might not be getting right now.
0: Yeah, yeah, no question about it, Jim. And and, and let's let's in fact address the very first point that you made in your question, and that is, you you, you know, we're we're not talking about sham businesses here. We're talking about legitimate businesses, but here's the thing that small business people need to understand, especially those that are just starting out. The IRS almost always takes the position, Jim, that a new business is not really a business, that it's just a hobby that the individual is using to try to get deductions that they otherwise wouldn't be entitled to. So, this is a presumption that the IRS operates under. And so, what you have to do as a small business person is understand right off the bat how to prove that you, that your activity is an honest for profit operation and not a hobby masquerading as a business so you can claim deductions you're not entitled to. It's a huge issue. It's, it's one of the top five or six issues on the IRS's Perennial list of audit targets for small businesses. It's something they always come after, and you absolutely need to know how to address it. And of course, that's one of the things that I talk about in the book.
1: Now, I, I notice on the back cover, you endorse something that I personally uh, learned years ago from one of my attorneys, and it's something I've uh, I've just always told people makes more sense even though it'll cost you just a little bit of money, is when you set up a business, go ahead and set up an entity. Uh, Like in my case, I use LLCs. So for every separate business I have, I have a martial arts uh, school, and that's a separate LLC. I've got what I'm doing here with you tonight and my writing and all of that and my radio show, that's a separate LLC. My wife has – she does music lessons, and she writes music books. That's a separate LLC. We keep all of these separate, and then we do you know, their own P&L, and then whatever profit or loss comes onto our personal taxes. And I have been told that that's not only the best – way to to do your accounting, but it's also the best way to deal with the IRS because that way all of these entities are sort of separated and they're clean and it doesn't drag your personal tax return into the business uh, like just being like the sole proprietor guy who puts all of his stuff on the Schedule C. Correct me on any of that if you agree or disagree.
0: Well, I I I would say you're on the right track, Jim, but it's it's not an absolute, uh, it's not an absolute truism that. Simply because you have a, have an LLC, it frees your income tax return from scrutiny by the IRS if the, if the if the business is called into question. For example, LLCs can be taxed in a number of ways because LLCs are what the IRS calls a disregarded entity, and what that means is that there's no separate specific tax treatment for an LLC in the Internal Revenue Code. They're either taxed as a sole proprietorship or a corporation or a partnership, depending on the election that the individual makes. Now, if if your LLC is taxed as a sole proprietorship, then everything goes on your personal tax return, and it all flows through to your bottom line tax liability anyway. What I do in the Small Business Tax Guide is I break down the eight different entities that are available for the typical person to function in their business environment, whether it's, uh, and and I'm not going to name all eight, but but we know about the corporation and the LLC and the sole proprietorship and the partnership. That's for the eight. The question that I always get, Jim, from people starting out is how should I set myself up? Should I be a corporation or a sole proprietorship or what? And the answer is, it depends. It depends on what kind of work you're doing, what kind of business you have, if you're going to try to raise capital, if you want to have partners. All of these things come into play in the evaluation. What I have experienced, Jim, and you can tell me what your experience is. What I've experienced is that the vast majority of people who end up with an LLC or, let's say, an S corporation that their accountant recommended, they have no idea why they did it. And they don't understand what the pros and cons. Yeah, you're are you're 100 the right.
1: They they like heard a legal Zoom ad and called an 800 number. <laughs> like, like in my yeah, case, yeah, my exactly attorney right. it, my so- my attorney had me, uh, you know, years and years ago. LLC subchapter S election. And that's sort of my track because I'm like a solopreneur. I don't, you know, anymore have employees or anything like that. I just, everything I have is just, you know, I I freelance things out. If I need anybody to do anything, it's all freelanced out. So I'm, I'm in a different boat than probably a lot of people. So people that are listening, don't just say, Oh, well, Jim Paris does LLC with a subchapter S election. That's maybe not for you. And the book is going to get into all, the different uh, scenarios where, like you said, if somebody wants to raise capital or if somebody has partners, now does it vary too by states? Because yeah, well, don't well, don't different well, states well, let me, have? Let me, uh, let me
0: say this. Let, let me let me say this, Jim. Let, let me just say this before you go on to your next question. I don't I, I don't mean to step on you here. You're the host after all. But 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 let me just say this. It, it is important to understand the ramifications of each structure. There are pros and cons to each one. There are features and benefits that some share that others don't and and you got it you got to look at these various options through through the through, the, through a, an open-minded lens here and say okay based on the totality of the circumstances which one is best for me and that's what the book allows you to do because I lay out exactly what the pros and cons are and what the tax compliance burden is that goes along with each one of them that's very important is people also Jim don't understand what they have to do to keep their entity compliant with the IRS and frankly that's a, a big failure for for you know S corporations as an example small business Business corporations where folks just don't do the things that the IRS expects them to do when they're adopted when they have adopted that that entity.
1: Yeah, I know. One thing is uh, for sure: a lot of people don't know when you file for an LLC, you have to separately make the election to be an S corporation. They don't file that form within the time frame. They don't realize that the LLC uh, electing to be an S corporation has to file a tax return, and the schedule is different than the personal. Uh, tax filing. So you're a month earlier if you're an S corporation uh, or if you go on extension, then you're, you know, in September 15th Your is your deadline. But it, is it still the case? I haven't checked this in a long time. But do all states now have the LLC or is that just like some states are going to have that some states are not going to have that?
0: Well, I haven't done a survey, Jim, but I would say this, that if you made me guess, I would say the overwhelming majority of states have an LLC option that's available. It's very common. It got to be very, very uh, attractive and desirable uh, about 10 years ago, and, and I would be surprised if no state... Yeah, I would I would be surprised if there's a state out there that doesn't have it. But again, I haven't done a survey, so that's something you need to check with your secretary of state's office if you intend to set up a small business structure.
1: Now, would there ever be any case, Dan, where um just well, I'm in I'm in business because I'm intending to make a profit and I'm just going to just put everything on my schedule C and I'm not going to set up any kind of entity or do any type of separate uh, accounting for my business. It's all just going to be uh, right on my personal return. Would would that ever make sense for anyone to do that?
0: Yeah, it does. It makes a lot of sense, Jim, for, for most startup businesses that don't have a significant amount of capital. Uh, they don't have uh, necessarily inventory requirements. It's a service business, for example, operating out of the home. Uh, It makes a lot of sense to do it that way because it's very simple. Keep in mind that an LLC that's not taxed as a partnership or a s corporation is treated as a sole proprietorship anyway now having said that jim it's very important and this is one of the lessons that i talk about in the book and i show you how to do this it's very important to set up a separate bookkeeping structure even if you have no entity if you're just operating as a sole proprietorship because you have to separately account for your business income and your business expenses and that's that should be done through a separate business bank account you know if your bills Smith and you're operating a you know Bill's Locksmith company and your your job is to you know fix locks for people okay fine set up a bank account in, in the name of Bill's Locksmith the company and keep a separate set of books that shows business income and business expenses. And you're going to use that information, that profit. And we call it a profit and loss statement shows your income and your expenses, profit and loss. And the net bottom line is your, is your profit or loss, <laughs> money you earned or, or what you lost at the end of the year based on all of your expenses. That then becomes the basis of the tax return that you file with the IRS.
1: Now, the home office is a confusing thing because um, there first for a while, at least it was sort of popular belief that if you claimed the home office, it was like an audit trigger. I have heard different things about that. Then I saw recently where the home office there's a simplified election where you don't have to do square footage and then percentage of expenses and all those other things. You can just take this simplified, which is a lesser deduction. But then if you have the LLC, you have a a subchapter S election. You have a different way of dealing with the home office. Is this still a viable deduction for everybody to look to the part of their home that they use exclusively for the business?
0: Yeah, it's viable, Jim, but the rules are strict, and, and and you just mentioned one of them. The space in your home has to be used regularly and exclusively for business purposes. So if you've got a den or a spare bedroom or an area in your basement or an area in your garage that you're using for business, you can't use that spare bedroom, let's say, as an office during the day and a guest room or, uh, or a TV room for the kids at night. That That's not regular and exclusive use. The exclusive use is very, very specific. The IRS will challenge you on exclusive use, and if there is if there is any more than just you know very incidental use, then they're going to disqualify the home office. So you do have to make sure that you qualify, and, and in the book, I, 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 char- I actually chart for you in the book exactly what the rules are, so you can follow a flow chart. If, if, you, if you meet all of these rules, then you get the home office deduction, and then I show you both ways to calculate it. The typical way, which is based on the, uh, you know let's call it the long version, which takes into account all of your, all of your various expenses, like your utilities, and lawn care, and snow removal, and maintenance on the house, and so forth, or the short version, which just just gives you a flat per square foot amount for a deduction. Uh, the short version is is not that much simpler because you still have to calculate all the square footage, and you still have to do that because it's the 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 the, the home office deduction is based on the space in your home that's used for the office, and so you still have to do the square foot calculation. Well, by the time you do that, you're frankly better off using the long form because there isn't that much more to it. Once you calculate the square footage and you get more benefit under the long version than you do on a short version.
1: Very good. If you're just tuning in, our guest tonight is Dan Pilla. You probably recognize the voice. He's been with us many times over the years. His new book is Dan Pilla's Small Business Tax Guide. You can get the book by going to taxhelponline.com, taxhelponline.com. Dan, is the book available anywhere else like Amazon or, or any other sources you want to mention?
0: Yeah, a book is available anywhere books are sold. The best place to get it is from the website, Jim, because when you do order it off our website, com, you get a free consultation directly with me. So if you got specific questions about your business, what to do or not to do, you can address those straight to me. And what people like to do, Jim, is get the book, read it, and then call me with their questions.
1: Yeah, that's great. And and uh, do you provide like a consulting type service for people who want to talk to you about, you know, they want to pay you to talk to you about their small business tax situation. Is that a thing that you're doing now as well?
0: Yeah, yes, we do that as well, and that's talked about
1: on the site as well. Okay, very good. Now, another thing you get into in the book is the whole issue of hiring independent contractors, and this is becoming like a super complicated thing because I don't know what state it was. Some state was moving to make... All of the Uber and Lyft drivers employees uh, under some new uh, law that they were or regulation they were looking to put into place, this whole new gig economy where people have like their day job, but then at night they're running around town delivering groceries or they're an Uber driver. Um, For those of us, like in my case, I hire a lot of people online to do like computer programming, artwork for me, transcriptions, I'll use these different freelance sites. What are some of the things that you have to be careful of to to determine whether or not someone is really your employee, which means uh, that you've got to be doing withholding and paying into FICA for them and all those other things. Where is that line between you're my employee and you're just my gig part-time guy that does different things for me?
0: Well, it, it, the, the, there's a lot of tax pros out there that would tell you that it's not, that, that it's very confusing. It's a gray area. But the fact is, Jim, it's not. It's not confusing and it's not a gray area. I'll tell you what it is. It's a very dangerous booby trap for small businesses precisely because they don't understand what the clear rules are and they're not getting guidance from the IRS on what the clear rules are. Now, there are clear rules, and I'll take you through those, but but here's what you need to understand. The the tendency is for small businesses to always want to use independent contractors, and anybody that's doing work for them, they want to call them an independent contractor because, obviously, it's a lot easier and a lot cheaper to use independent contractors than employees. You don't have to have them on a payroll. You don't have to match their Social Security. You don't have to pay unemployment taxes. You don't have, uh, you know, benefits issues like, uh, health care or, 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 unemployment compensation or any of that stuff. So obviously it's a pl- plus you have the flexibility. If I need somebody one week, but I don't need them the next week, then an independent contractor is very flexible for exactly the reason that they're independent. But let me tell you what the bright line is here now. And here's what you got to wrap your head around. And anybody that's considering using somebody to do work and they want to call them an independent contractor, here's what you got to think of. You got to think in terms of control. Who controls the workplace and the manner in which the work is controlled? If the if the company controls the workplace and the manner in which the work is controlled, then that worker is an employee. If the worker controls the workplace and the manner in which the work is controlled, then that worker is an independent contractor. So let me give you an example. If I have a job available and I say to, to somebody, I need an assistant, I want them to come into my office, I want them to work from 9 to 5, I'm going to give them three breaks during the course of the day for lunch and a morning coffee and an afternoon uh, coffee break, and, and and here's the work that I want done, and here's how I want the work done, and the work has to be done in the way that I want it done, then I'm controlling the workplace and the worker, and that individual then is my employee. On the other hand, if I say to somebody, you know, I, I have to have this research done, and I need you to submit to me a memorandum on what this, uh, on on what these these points of law are, for example, I cast it in the context of my work. Uh, I need so I, I need a memorandum that's got all the points of law that are relevant to this question, and I need it laid out in this fashion. And I got to have this in about a week or so. And that individual does the work in in, in his own office. He uses his own computer, uses his own research uh, research uh, materials. And, and does it on his time, whether he does it at, at at nine o'clock in the morning or or ten o'clock at night, makes no difference to me. I get the finished product, and it's laid out in the in the in the way that I in the way I specified it. But I don't control how he does it. That person's an independent contractor. All right, so that's the key is control who's controlling the workplace and the manner in which the work is performed. And this is another area that I spend a great deal of time on in the book because it's such a dangerous trap. I can't tell you how many cases I've been involved in in 40 years of litigating with the IRS that involve the misclassification of workers. And the thing is this, the IRS wants everybody to be an employee, Jim. So their default position is that worker is an employee and the burden of proof is on the company to prove that the worker is an independent contractor and the IRS is going to hold you to a strict burden of proof. If you can't meet the burden of proof, they're going to slap you with delinquent employment taxes. And I'll tell you, they're crushing, Jim. The employment tax delinquencies bury a lot of businesses when you don't do this right on the front end.
1: Wow, this is uh, really good information. Uh, Not only for those that are already in business, but those going into business to be able to watch out for these warnings. I want to ask you, you've got some information here also about about, uh, travel expenses. And I saw an interesting uh, story a few months ago about a guy who he decided that he was going to be a travel vlogger with a V, like in Victor. Like he's going to travel full-time around the world and make videos. And everything was a write off in his world because he said you know my camera all my hotels I stayed in all my airfare all my food every everything I did when I when I breathed when I got up in the morning it was a tax write off because I am a full-time year-round traveling the world making videos and a lot of people are doing this now where they're sort of documenting their lives and maybe maybe making like their own reality show doing whatever um is is uh, the IRS said nope you can't you can't write all this off and this guy got into a a, a nightmare of a problem with the IRS but um, how do we know like what is legitimate to take off when you're traveling I mean if you say it's for business. Uh, But maybe stay a couple extra days and have some fun if you're maybe in Orlando on a trip or, you know, you're you're in Hawaii and you're at a business conference. How do you figure out, like, what actually is deductible? And is it good enough to just bring your camera and post some videos to YouTube and then write off the whole trip?
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, yeah, that that's 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 obviously a tough one, Jim, because. The, 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 the threshold question for the IRS is, is there expectation of profit? And so if you're just going to travel around the world and shoot videos and throw them up on the internet and hope against hope that somebody pays you a quarter because they saw your video, I'm not sure that that's going to meet the reasonable expectation of profit. You know, I just don't know, uh, if, if that's going to rise to the occasion, but let's, let's just talk about travel in general. All right. Cause you, you gave the classic scenario. Somebody goes to a seminar in Orlando. The seminar is two days. They end up staying four days in Orlando. What can you write off and what can't you write off? First of all, let's talk about transportation expenses and then let's talk about other related travel expenses like hotel and meals and and, and transportation at your desk at your at your business destination. All right. So let's talk about the let's just talk about airfare for simplicity's sake. When the primary purpose of the travel is business. All right. The, the, the central reason I'm going to Orlando is not to go to Disney World. But the central reason I'm going there is because there's a financial conference. I happen to be a speaker at the conference. I'm going to Orlando to be a speaker at this conference. I'm expected to be at this conference full time while it's in session. And so I have to be at this Orlando hotel for two days. So my primary purpose for going there is business. So in that case, my transportation to and from the business location is tax deductible. Now, I happen to be in Orlando, and I got friends in Orlando, Jim Paris being one of them. And so I want to spend some leisure time, and I want to go around and do this and do this and do this. And so I end up spending an extra three days in Orlando. So now I've spent a total of five days. My primary purpose in going there was business, so I get the trans- I get the travel expenses between Minneapolis and Orlando. But I only get two days deduction for the hotel. The other three were not business related, Jim. They were that was playtime, so I can't write any of that off. If I rent a car for five days, I only get two days worth of deduction. So basically, forty percent of that. I only get the meals that are associated with the uh, with the uh, business trans with with the, with the with the business seminar. Any meals that I have that are that are incidental are not deductible. So the question is, when you're there, when you're there partially for business and partially for pleasure, then anything that's pleasure-related cannot be deductible. Anything that's business-related can be deductible. So that's a bright line. When we're talking about the transportation to and from the business location, then that is the primary purpose test. What is the main reason you went there? If I went to Orlando because we had a family vacation there and all of the pillows from around the country are meeting in Orlando for three days, and then I, I steal away for one day to do a radio show with my friend Jim Paris, well, that's not my primary purpose in being there. All right. My primary purpose was for the family reunion. And yes, I went and did a little business on the side, but that doesn't transform the primary purpose of the trip. And, and, and this is, this is, again, it's a bright line. It's not a gray area. It's a bright line, but you got to look at it honestly in the eye. And here's the thing, Jim. And this is, I made this point when we were talking about independent contractors. and, And I say this 500 times in the book. The burden of proof is always on the taxpayer when it comes to this stuff. The IRS never has to prove you did it wrong. You have to prove you did it right. And so you got to know what the rules are. And I spent a great deal of time on this stuff in the book, showing you exactly how to prove this stuff. You know, listen, I've had people tell me a thousand times, Dan, I don't have to worry about the IRS. I'm honest. Okay, that's fine. That's great that you're honest. You're supposed to be honest. Your, your tax return is signed under penalty of perjury. You better be honest. But the fact of the matter is you have to prove it. They don't have to prove you're a crook. You have to prove you did it right. And so how are you going to do that if they challenge you? I'll tell you, Jim, when you're in an audit situation, these tax auditors, all they do is play goalie. In other words, they just kick aside the things you throw at them. So you have to make sure you understand how to score the goal, so to speak, when it comes to proving that your deductions are legitimate. If you don't know how to do that, you got no shot. Guilty until no shot guilty
1: until proven innocent. It reminded me of a funny story of um, a guy I, I used to work many, many, many years ago for when I first got into the financial world by the name of Charles J. Givens. And he used to have this thing he would tell people that if you went on vacation, giving, he yeah. said, if you went on vacation to Hawaii, what you should do is every day put in a job application right off the whole trip as a job <laughs> search. And he said, the worst thing that can happen to you is you get hired And then you can live in Hawaii. And I thought that was <laughs> ingenious. genius. I mean, he, I went to seminars where he would do that up on the stage and people would just be roaring. They, they would be laughing because sure. he, he had these just sure. these, these little zingers for the IRS with with the things that he would come up with like that, which, you know, I guess if you actually did spend the time every day to go in somewhere and apply for uh, employment and, you know. But who's going to want who's really going to do that <laughs> when you're on vacation? You're really well, going to well, be driving around doing jobs applications
0: and furthermore jim the the simple fact that you're applying for a job in in hawaii doesn't make it a business trip (laughs) right well and i I love the punchline i I love the employee (laughs) as as an employee it's already got a job that that doesn't transform it into a deductible expense now if you're self-employed if you're a self-employed person and you've got a business reason to go to hawaii and then you want to mix in a little pleasure on the side that's fine but, but, but remember, the expenses you incur for the days that you stay there that are non-business related, you don't get a deduction for those. You only get the deduction for the pure business activity. And as long as the primary purpose of the trip is business, you can write off the, tr- the travel to and from the destination.
1: Uh, One last question here, and then we'll give you a wrap up minute or two to tell us, you know, all about Dan Pilla and how people can get in touch with you. Uh, One person just emailed me here. I I didn't open up for questions tonight. didn't know if we'd get a lot of calls because it's the holidays, but I did just get an email. Someone asking me about the MLM home business and I'm not a huge MLM guy but there are some that are legitimate that you know I I know that are legitimate that have been around for years and years and people do actually make money with them and they are sort of a small side income for a lot of people is there anything in your book that would address an MLM person's uh, tax situation I mean obviously they have business expenses but is it a unique, uh, treatment in any way by the IRS if you're in MLM or network marketing, as it's called.
0: Well, 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 yeah. What's unique about the MLMs is is that they're targets for the IRS because precious few of these people that are that are operating these sm- small time operations, these small time multi level marketing uh, organizations, uh, 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 businesses, uh, selling pills or potions or lotions or whatever they're selling. Uh, the, the IRS targets them, Jim, because they, most of them don't have a clue on how to set up their business and how to keep their records properly. I will tell you this. Everything in the book is going to help an MLM person. I talk about I'll talk about uh, the, the automobile deduction and how to document that. I talk about the home business. We talked about travel already. I talked about the independent contractor issue. I talked about your your business structure. There's a chapter in the book that talks about record keeping. and shows you how to set up a foolproof record keeping system so you don't ever get cornered by the IRS for not having the proper records. Two-thirds of every problem is records related, Jim. So you got to have the proper records. So anybody that's an MLM is going to benefit from this book, no question about it.
1: Very good. I I I love everything you're going over here, and I'll tell you, even if you're someone that's listening and you think that you're doing everything right, um, you really need to uh, uh, just get the book and just to double check. I mean, if for no other reason, how much is the book, Dan? And again, tell us how people can get it.
0: Yeah, the book is thirty nine ninety five, Jim, and there's a uh, priority shipping charge that that gets tagged on when you order it. Uh, to order the book, go to my website taxhelponline.com. dot com. That's all one word, no spaces of any kind, TaxHelpOnline.com. And remember, when you order a book off my site, if it's the Small Business Tax Guide or my book, How to Get Tax Amnesty, or any one of the books on my website, you get a free consultation directly with me. So what people like to do is get the book, read through it, write your questions down, then set your appointment with me, and I'll answer your questions personally.
1: And then also, um, for those that are listening If you've already got a problem right now with the IRS, Dan is the guy to talk to about that. He has a number of books on that as well. Taxhelponline.com, taxhelponline.com. Dan Pilla, uh, happy holidays. Good to have you back with us, my friend. We'll have to uh, bring you back here maybe into the new year to help people uh, get all this squared away again. Maybe next time we'll do the what to do if you owe money to the IRS uh, interview, which is always fun. Sure. Absolutely. Jim, God bless you. Thanks. for having All right. Me. God bless. Thanks for being with us. Uh, Dan Pilla. I'll tell you, uh, this guy knows his stuff. He really does. I And one of the things you'll if you do get his book and you do call his office and talk to him and even hire him to do some things, he is a reasonable guy. He's not one of these. Guys that you hear on the radio, where you call the number and they want like 10 or $15,000 from you before they do anything. He just doesn't operate like that. I've known him for many, many years, straight shooter. And what I love is if you're somebody that does have an IRS problem, he's got all the materials. You can do it on your own if you want to. And, and save the money that way if you, you're inclined to want to deal with it on your own. Uh, but I love this new book. This looks really great, and uh, a lot of people are going to benefit from this. Dan pills Small Business Tax Guide. Grab your copy over at taxhelponline.com. All right. Thanks so much for joining us. And remember, if it's Sunday night, it's Jim Paris Live. We'll talk to you next time. So long, everybody.